What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great. Hope you're having an absolutely fantastic day. If you are new to Grace Church, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here. And man, I am so excited about what God has put on my heart uh, for this message today, for this series that we're entering in. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you're part of us. And, and I hope that you can feel God's presence. Uh, the Holy Spirit's here and He is in this place. And so if we can take some steps to lean in a little bit, because uh, we're going to dive into to something that, that might kind of press us a little bit, might stretch us a little bit. So one of the things that we've recognized as a church is that our culture and society and even Christians, non-Christians, doesn't matter. All of us have entered into this time in this season where we get offended by everything. Have you noticed that there's offense everywhere? We get offended, we get upset. Doesn't matter what people say, what they post, what we see, what we read, everything upsets us. And so every single person is just angry and frustrated. And so we're gonna lean in a little bit. We're gonna take a look at what that looks like. Cause you know, what, what does it mean to look like to be unoffendable? Cause if you're a Christ follower, are we allowed to be offended? Right, I'm following Jesus. Am I? Is it okay for me to be upset, to be offended? And you're like, even if you're a non-Christian, you're going, "What's right? What? What's okay to say? What's not okay to say? You know, when do I reach across the line? You know, and where it, 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 it's too far? You know, what responses are we supposed to have? And so, I want to kind of pose the idea and the possibility: Is it possible to be unoffendable? And so, we're going to lean into that a little bit. Because I know for me personally, I don't get easily offended. But man, I'll tell you what, sometimes I get so offended so easily and it shocks me how the littlest things will just set me off and I'm frustrated and upset and you know, I want to get back and I want to say something. And, and some of you, just to be quite honest, you're not going to like this message. Um, I'm going to offend you. Uh, some of you are not going to like this series. And you're going, oh, I'll just skip the next few weeks and I'll be good. And so I just, I want to challenge you uh, to lean in a little bit uh, for yourself personally, because I promise you, you're going to want to pull out your phone at some point in time and go, hey, blah, 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 tag, you need to hear this message. Hey, hashtag offense. And then you're going to put their name in there. You're going to go, wow, I'm going to check in at Grace and you need to check into this message and share. And, and so I promise you, you're going to think of somebody, maybe multiple people, but I want to challenge you that this message, it, it may get to them eventually, but I believe this is for us. I believe that you're here right now for a reason and on purpose. You're watching online to hear this message specifically. Because do we often think of other people? Yeah, I get it and understand. But what about you and I in this moment right now? Because I'm actually praying that God will speak. He'll communicate so that us personally will experience what God has for us. That, that us as a church will kind of move into a new season, a new phase. What if you and your company and how you lead, what, what if just us are able to get to this point where we recognize that we can be unoffendable? And so I just, I think so many times we think of other people, but I want you to just recognize sometimes we've got to say, God, would you start with me? And so I need you to have that attitude in this now. So let's pray and go before God. And so Lord God, I thank you so much for your word, for your scripture, for your presence here. Uh, we see it, we feel it, we experience it. Lord, it, you take our breath away at times. You pour out your love and your grace on us. And so we receive it. 
And so, Lord, I do ask, though, that you would communicate through me. Lord, would you communicate through your word, through your scripture? And most importantly, Father, through your Holy Spirit, would you speak to every single one of us the individual message that you've got for us, the, the, the things that we need to know, the things that we need to hear, and that we would take it and apply it in our lives. God, because we need this. Would you start with us in this time? In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm gonna be touching on a, a lot of different verses in scripture, uh, but I'm gonna mainly be in the gospels. I know some of you, you bring your Bibles, which is awesome. I'm so glad you do that. Uh, we normally use the, the NLT, the New Living Translation version of scripture. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the gospels. I'm gonna be in Matthew 7 and I'm gonna be in Luke 18, but I have a couple other verses that I wanna share with you first. Because uh, I love the book of James and it talks about, you know, some amazing things regarding this. So if we take a look at James 1, starting in verse 19, it says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Can you guys say the word slow with me? Slow. It says quick to listen and slow. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. And so people, we, we don't listen first. I don't know if you recognize this about people. I know I certainly have. I just, I have this understanding that I feel like most people, me included, we just want to be heard. Uh, I just, I want to tell you what's going on. I want to, I want to share my opinions with you, my thoughts, and I just want to be heard. And, and so a lot of times people just, they don't really care what we believe. They don't really care what we think. They just want to speak and, and say things. And, and quite honestly, many of us, we just want to tell you what your opinion should be. I mean, if, if we're being honest, like, hey, I know you think that, but you're wrong. So here's what you really should think. Uh, and so we, we communicate that way. And, and it's just, I think that in our culture and in church and in relationships, we find that we're getting offended. We're getting upset very, very easily on a number of different things. Can I name just a couple like politics, pandemics, religion? People get offended greatly by those things and there's a whole lot more, believe me, things that we get offended about. And it just, it bothers me that people get offended when, when they get offended at the fact that I'm offended that they're offended. Do you know what I'm saying? So people, it bothers me that other people get offended that I'm offended because they're offended too about something. And I'm going, what's the deal? What's going on? And they get upset because so, what it is is what we think and maybe what we actually believe is that everybody else should believe what we should believe. You know, all those other people, they should be just as passionate about this particular thing and item as I am. And so therefore, I'm bothered that you're not. And so I just needed to tell you that because I feel like you should change your way of thinking, what you experience, your opinion, and this is actually what you should believe. And you should believe what I believe. And I just, as a pastor, when I look in scripture, I see a Lord and a savior um, that is unoffendable. And our goal is to follow after Christ and model our life after him. And, and, and I wanna lay out this significant challenge for you if this is something that you know that you would recognize you see in your life, I wanna challenge you to study the gospels. Uh, study the gospels and, and read Jesus's responses 
to people, to questions, to situations, because I promise you there were so many times when people were aggressively going after him. They were saying things that were hurtful. They were saying things that were offensive. Uh, they were very accusatory and extremely harsh towards him at times. And his responses, they're like gold. I'll read stuff, I'm going, oh my gosh, I never would have thought that or said that. I would have said this. And, and it's just like how many times when we read scripture, we're just kind of shocked by what Jesus said. And one of the things I love about Jesus and who he is, is he often asked a lot of questions. Uh, that's just part of me. It's part of my personality. It's probably why I like it. Because I like to ask questions as well. Just so you know, there's about a thousand questions in this message. As we walk over these next several minutes, you'll, you'll hear lots of, I'm asking you, you know, what, what's going on? What are you thinking? What are you processing? processing? How many times did Jesus ask questions? And, and how many times was a question asked of him? And then he would ask a question back. He wouldn't even give an answer. He would just in turn give another question. And I wanna share just a brief story about that. Uh, you know, when I was a, a youth minister about 400 years ago, um, I, was, I had a student and she was super smart. She's actually a doctor now. And, and, and she would always like ask me stuff. And, and so the best word that I could find that described her is quippy. That, that's just, that's who she is. That, that's, so she would always ask me great, conver uh, great questions. We would always have great conversations. Uh, just, it was, I loved it. I really just enjoyed engaging in, in, a, in a conversation with her. And, and there were times though, she would ask me a question and I would ask her a question back. And she would look at me. She was like, if I knew the answer, I wouldn't be asking you. And I just, I'm dying laughing inside. I just, I love it. It's, it's amazing. And cause I, I just, I enjoy asking questions, but some people, you know, they don't want to be questioned. They just want the answer. Some people, when you talk about offense, if we look at it, we look at our lives, we actually can recognize that we get, a, we get angry pretty easily. There's a number of different things that set us off. Some people are just very, very angry. And some of you, like, just, you struggle with that. I, I know there's times that I do as well. Let me give you a few times when I see angry people. One is when they're driving. Like road rage is a real, real thing. And you laugh because you know, I have road rage. I do too, and you do too. And, and so I just, I get so frustrated. And, and you know, I, I wish that there were missiles on my, on my truck that I could launch out to take care of them and be like, nope, you no longer get to drive or take their license away or, you know, whatever. Somebody told me one time that everyone should have their own paintball gun and, and the cars with the most amount of paint at a certain point in time, they're removed from like their driving privileges. I just think that's a brilliant idea. So watch out for when I shoot you with a paintball gun. But so road rage, people get angry. Social media is an incredibly just prominent platform for people to, to share their offenses parents of kids who play sports, like we are angry people. Uh, we just, we are. And, and so how many of you would be willing to raise your hand and say that, that there have been times when you've responded out of anger? Go ahead and put your hand up. So if you're sitting next to a person that, that didn't raise their hand, can you just bump them and say, hey, I don't think that you heard his question. <laughs> he said, raise your hand if you get angry and, and, and you kind of take that out on other people. Because I didn't see everybody's hand up. And I, I think we're all in this together, no doubt, because we get offended at so many things. But I have to ask us, like, how is that working for us? 
Like are, are us being offended, us responding out of anger, how is that working? Does that, does that make us more patient with other people? Does it make us more loving? Does it make us want to be encouraging to them? Uh, I, I just, I don't find that. And so I want to read another verse to you. So James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so when we're offended, when we're angry, we don't get godly results. And I know right now, some of you, you're a little bit analytical and you're going, you're, but I have righteous anger. Pastor Aaron, I have things that burn inside of me and, and it's godly passion that, that other people need to be aware of. And, and so is it righteous anger or is it self-righteous anger? Yes, yeah, somebody came to preach today. I don't know if you're ready for this or not. I told you at the beginning, I might be a little bit offensive and I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to lean in a little bit. Are you willing to reciprocate? So our righteous anger, is it more like self-righteous anger? Because we're so good at pointing out other people's sins and wrongs and offenses that often we're not looking at our own self-righteousness or we're dealing with our own spiritual pride that we think we're better than they are because how dare they? So there's a very poignant passage that Jesus shares with us in Matthew 7. If, if you're there in your Bibles, in verse 3, it says, why, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think about saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And so one of the things I wanna share with you is, I need these verses in my life. One of the things that I actually enjoy doing is sharing stories from my personal life, the ones that were hard, honestly, just to be vulnerable, because I know sometimes people think like, oh, wow, you're a pastor, that must be great. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's really, really hard. It's difficult and challenging, and, and man, I, I don't have it all together. Because I know just a little while ago, I went through this season, like a period of time where I was, I was being self-righteous. I had spiritual pride. Like, no joke, I, I was like, God, I am doing so good right now. God, you must be so proud of me. I've kind of got it all together. Lord, if you can see what I'm doing, I've figured a few things out. And oh my gosh, like I literally prayed that to, to God. And, and so can you see that, that I'm battling with this too? And, and, and so God just began this process that was, was wonderful, but it's so hard. It's kind of like peeling away the layers of an onion where God just began to strip me down and peel me back and just go, hey man, just so you know, you're dealing with spiritual pride. Oh, hey, just so you know, you're, you're reliant on yourself and you're trying to be independent of me instead of being fully reliant and dependent upon me. You haven't yet fully surrendered your heart and your life to, the, to me. And I'm going, like literally, it's, it's as if I'm eating the onion and I'm crying just before God. I'm going, oh, this is awful. It was so difficult and so hard. And so there's a, a lot of great words 
in scripture that talk about that. One of them is pruning where, where there's things in our life that God is going, yeah, you're so reliant on that and, and that's not what I've got for you. And he literally lops it off and it's so difficult. But if we lean in, what happens is he restores us and he brings healing. He changes our thought life, our emotions, our spiritual life. He grows us and stretches us and something significant comes as a result. So what happened was it literally drove me to a place where I was crying out to him on my knees, just in desperation. I, like I recognize, oh, it's awful. I need you so bad. So it, it could have, that's how I responded. But he also showed me, if you don't respond this way back to me, what you're doing then is disconnecting yourself from me. So had I not leaned into this process, I literally would have become self-reliant. I would have said, God, I'm good where I'm at. Don't need you. Thanks. I'm going to go my own way. And so please understand when I read these verses in scripture that they come from life experience and things that I've had to battle through. And so part of my heart is, is to, to bring you along as well in this journey, in this path of, of following after Jesus. Because Jesus told an incredible, incredible story in Luke 18. Uh, it, it's, we're gonna start in verse nine. It says this, Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence named Pastor Aaron and others in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, which is like a religious leader. And the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners. This guy literally thought other people were sinners and he was not. Sinners, adulterers, I'm not like them. I'm certainly not like that guy, that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I tithe everything that I make. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He dared not even lift his eyes to heaven and he prayed as he prayed. In, instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so is our self-righteousness a blessing to other people? It is our willingness to take our anger and spew it out on others, is that a blessing to those that are around us? Is it, is it beneficial for them? Is it beneficial for us to live like that and do that? And is it helpful in our marriage to, to make sure that we let our spouse know how they've offended us? And is, is it beneficial to our children that, 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 that they see our anger? And they recognize, and is it beneficial in the way that we lead our companies or manage our staff? So I have a, a point, my first point, it's, it's a question. Do you wanna make a point or do you wanna make a difference? Only you can answer this question for yourself. In your motivations, in your desires, in your passions, 
what's really stirring on the inside of you? Do we want to show people that we're right and help them to see that? That way we can influence our opinion and they can adopt ours as their own. Or do we want to be a catalyst to bring about change for God's kingdom, not our own? What, do we want to win an argument or do we want to win people to Jesus? So what's our motivation in the things that we say and, and how we do it? And so Jesus gave a couple of very simple commands and we gloss over them very easily. But in Matthew 22 and 37 and 39, it's Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important, to love your neighbor as ourselves. And so we've gotta love God passionately, which is awesome, that's the goal. I hope that this moves you towards that, to complete surrender on him. And, and, and passion towards him. But we've also got to let that love change us and then share it with other people. It shouldn't just change us. We can't just read a scripture or hear a message and go, oh, that's great, and file it away in the back of our mind and it not change us. It should actually change what we say, what we think, what we do, how we treat other people. But there's a piece in this that I wrestle with because uh, I can actually love others, but that doesn't mean that I have to agree with them. So it's okay to disagree, but still show love. I believe that that's possible. So that's why we come up with this unoffendable type series where I don't mind if you say something that's different, I might not agree with you, but I absolutely am called by the Lord to love you just the same way I love myself. But if I'm angry and offended, usually I'm not responding out of love. It's just the reality. I think if we look at ourselves, if we're upset, we probably aren't having amazing things in our heart and our mind or are certainly coming out of our mouth. And so how do we let go of our offenses and let go of our anger and get to this place where we're not dominated by that any longer? How do we move to that place where we're not trying to make a point. We just know that God has done something in us and he wants to use us in a really cool way. So the, the second thing that I wanna share with you is I believe that we've gotta lower our expectations of others. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Like, I'm like, oh, that's so, that's so disappointing. Like, ugh, but it's so real. Cause here's the deal, people, are going to let us down all the time. Everyone around you at some point in time is going to disappoint you. They're not gonna be able to follow through. They're going to forget things. They're not gonna remember your birthday, says the guy whose birthday was yesterday, right? So there's going to be things, right? We're going to be disappointed. I mean, have you ever let anybody else down? Of course. I mean, how many examples can we give from our own life of how we've disappointed, how we've failed, how we've you know, done this? Well, then of course, everyone else is gonna do the same to us because we're all sinners. That Pharisee in that scripture, he, he didn't consider himself a sinner and Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's the sinners that come before the Lord with a humble attitude and a humble heart. They're the ones that are justified. So welcome to the club of the imperfect. Imperfect. 
Like we don't have it all figured out. We're not expected to. So stop thinking that you're going to be able to. Stop, you know, being like imposing that on other people. I think it's the times when we come before God and we go, man, I'm just, I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. God, I need you so desperately. I think that changes our perspective when we're let down by other people. Because what we're seeing right now in culture is very, very significant. You know, a lot of people talk about the second coming of Christ, and I love to talk about it. I love to talk about eschatology, end times. People will look, look at, at what's going on in the globe, and they're going, oh, Jesus is coming back. Like, get ready. Like, you know, pack your suitcase. Like, hey, he's coming. And, and so Paul actually wrote to Timothy uh, about the, the scenario, about some circumstances, about the description of what that might look like in culture. So we have 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They'll slander others on social media all the time. They'll have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. So when I read those verses, the people that are being described in there, they're offended at everything. Everything is not right. Everything causes them to be upset. This is the, all the problems. And so the reality is, is people are going to let us down. We're gonna let each other down. I'm going to let you down. I love what I do. I love being a pastor. It's no doubt the calling that God's put on my life, but I'm going to do and say things that you're not necessarily gonna agree with. And some of you are going, yeah, the last 15 minutes, like I just wish you would be done and shut this whole thing down. Like, I get it. I totally get it. Can you do me a favor though? When that happens, don't look at the church and go, see, there it is. There it is again, another church leader like trying to make me think this and feel this and I should do that and I knew it. They're all manipulative. I can't go to that church either. Oh, see, see God, there it is again. I, I, I can't do that. I, I just, that another guy, another pastor th try, trying to push his stuff on me. So do me a favor. Please don't look at me. I, I'm a sinner just like that guy just like that tax collector. So don't look at me to think that I've got it all together because I don't, I'm in this with you. So please just don't look at God and go, God, you're not real because of what he did, because of what he said, see God? Don't, don't look at this church and, and, and just disconnect yourself from the church entirely because I got news for you. God is real and he's so significant and powerful. And he uses us despite ourselves. And the church is the best thing going. Do you know this? So Jesus, as God's son, comes, dies, rises again. And do you know the plan? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the beginning and the formation of the church. This is the best thing that God's got going. So please don't look at it and scoff at God and scoff at the church. This is amazing. What God is doing and how he's doing it is incredible but I'm an imperfect person and I'm gonna make mistakes and I'm gonna say some things that you might not agree with. But when we look at Jesus, 
right? So let's keep our eyes on Jesus and who he is because he never said anything imperfect, immoral, or wrong in any form or fashion. And the, the other thing that I love about him as, as the head of the church is he, he was never shocked when people responded out of selfishness or when people had immorality in their lives. Have you recognized this in scripture? When you read, Jesus was never surprised when our sin came on the outside. He never was shocked by that. I'll give you a couple of quick examples. One of them, the disciples, right? The 12 dudes who were picked and chosen to follow after Jesus during this time in ministry. Super close, super, you know, incredible relationship. They're the tightest with him. At one point in time, the disciples were trying to figure out who was the best disciple. Jesus, I'm the best one, right? I'm your favorite. Talk about spiritual pride. I'm gonna be the one sitting right next to you in heaven, right? Because you like me the best. Look at me. We're talking about his disciples, spiritual pride. What about the time when Jesus went to, to the well in Samaria and there was a woman there who had a lifestyle of promiscuous behavior? Did Jesus scoff at her, judge her? Condemn her? No, I don't read that. So here you have guys that were struggling with spiritual pride and, and a woman that was struggling you know, with her lifestyle choices and Jesus never responded in, in an appropriate or condemning way. He was constantly showing empathy, giving grace, showing love. And those are some of the feel-good ones, but I also see a savior who was so strong do you know how much strength it would have taken as an individual person to stand up against the religious institution that he did? So much strength. He had so much resolve when he was moving towards crucifixion. He knew he was gonna be tortured and put on a cross. And yet in scripture, we read that he resolutely went towards Jerusalem. Are you kidding me? It is astounding the strength that he had in his life. I mean, even during that time frame, I know we celebrated Easter last week and that's amazing, but here you have Peter, one of the closest disciples to Jesus, so passionate, for, so passionate for Jesus, yet moments later denies him. You know, it, it should be his best friend standing by his side, but he stabs him in the back, he betrays him, he leaves. How does Jesus respond? In, G, in, in Peter's uh, betrayal, Jesus didn't quit going to, to, to Peter's connection group. He didn't do that. Uh, he, he didn't, he, Jesus didn't pull out his phone and, and slam Peter on social media, give him a one-star Google review. Don't go there. Don't, don't hang out with them. Gee, he didn't do that. He forgave him and he loved him. So when you and I develop a mature faith. And, and that's one of my prayers for myself. Like, God, I really wanna move towards maturity and growth and, and just spiritual depth. And, and so when we get to that place, I hope that we can recognize that we're fighting a spiritual battle. Uh, if, if you haven't become aware of this yet, please just you know, read scripture about spiritual warfare and, and what it says in there, because we're actually not fighting against other people. You know, in all circumstances, people are not your enemy. 
So when I get in a disagreement with my wife, she's not my enemy. When I have tension at work, when I have tension in relationships, issues with family, they're not my enemy. When I read things on social media, those people are actually not my enemy. Satan is my enemy. And so what if we moved into this place where we recognize that it's really spiritual and had that type of perspective. And so here's one of the challenges that I wanna lay out in front of you. When you're offended the next time, because it's going to happen, when you're angry, when you're upset at a person or a situation, I wanna challenge you to pray. Pray for that person, pray for the situation. And here's why. It's really difficult to be offended as somebody that you're praying for. It's really difficult to be angry when you're taking the scenario and you're giving it to God and then you open yourselves up to him to receive from his spirit what he wants to communicate to you. So I think there's the reality where we've got to see the, all of what's going on and we bring ourselves before God and we say, you know what, God, I need you to start with me. God, start with me in this situation. Where am I off? I, I, this, this is bothering me, but I, I, I need to hear from you. And so we lower our expectations on people. But the third thing that we've got to do is raise our gratitude for God's grace. Because how many of you have never sinned before? So you struggled earlier to put your hand up, but you're scared to put your hand up on this one. Yeah, like I get it. We're going, oh, is it a trick question? I, Man, we've all sinned, we've lied, we've stolen. Like you've stolen. You stole from work, you stole from your neighbor. Some of you, you have your neighbor's tools still in your garage, you haven't given them back. Like you, you're, you unintentionally stole them. <sighs> hey, if you need that back, you can borrow it back from me. Uh, like we cheat, we lust, we gossip. You say things about other people behind their back. And so what if we just recognize that, you know, we're in that group, but we change our perspective a little bit and just embrace God's gratitude and his grace. Because in Ephesians 2, verse eight, it says that God saved us by his grace when we believed. And, and we can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. That salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done so that none of us can boast about it. And so God's grace, Jesus' sacrifice, his acceptance of us while we're still sinners, while we still have issues and problems and we continue to remain in them, he still just brings us back and shows us limitless love and continual forgiveness in our life. And I know there's some of us, we're dealing with really tough offenses right now. I know some of you, you're dealing with some major hurt and pain in marriage, you're dealing with some tough stuff in your family relationships, maybe at work, there's a lot of tension and, and man, it, it, it's a grind and I get it. Some tough offenses. And in processing those, we really wanna tell them. We wanna tell them, hey, you offended me here. Hey, what you did was wrong. Hey, because what we wanna do is we wanna justify our anger. And I just think there's sometimes 
when we're offended so easily at so many different things that there's a little bit of self-righteousness and spiritual pride that we've got to address. And I want to share one final story with you. It's in John 8. I don't have the verses on the screen because I just kind of wanted to tell you the story. So what happened was there was a time when Jesus was out in the streets. Uh, maybe he was in the market. He just was walking along the city streets and, and the religious leaders, so those Pharisees is what they were called. So they were religious leaders of the law. And so it was their job. They were like priests and pastors. So they're the ones that kind of enforced the law. So you have the law of Moses, you have the law that God gave. And, and so they're the ones that follow that. And so what these religious leaders were trying to do constantly was to catch Jesus in something, some type of way to where, where they were like, see, see, he's not God's son. See, see, he's a blasphemer. See, he, he's not following the law of God. So they were constantly trying to trick him and coerce him into saying something that where they could catch him. And they thought that they had gotten a way to do it because in John 8, it literally says that they caught a woman in the act of adultery. And they snatched her from that situation. They drag her out. They find Jesus. And it says that they throw her in front of, in front of Jesus. And then they began this, this attack on him. They say, hey, Jesus, you know, you, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher, you say you, you're, you know, you're following after God. Well, in the law of Moses, as you're well aware, it says that this woman should be put to death by stones being thrown at her until she breathes her last. What do you say? So they were trying to catch him. They were trying to trick him. And, and, and if, 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 if you go back and you take a look at, at these verses, I would, I would encourage you, if you've not read them before, it, it literally says, it's astounding to me, Jesus's response. So can you imagine the, the magnitude of how much pressure's going on? These guys bring this potentially half-naked woman throw, and then all these accusations, and then they're, they're going, what are you gonna do? And Jesus, it says, it says that he kneels down. He kneels down and he starts writing in the dirt with his finger. And, and so scripture doesn't tell us what he's writing, but a lot of Bible scholars and, and pastors will, will use this and they'll say, there is a high probability that Jesus was writing down the sins of those men that were there wanting to kill this woman because of her sin. And to me, I'm going, that, that makes a lot of sense. So Jesus is going, lust, gossip. Here's this lady's name that you committed adultery with. Oh my gosh, right? And, and so Jesus then stands up and he says, hey, you guys, you've got rocks in your hands, but the one, the one without sin can throw the first rock. And so as the story unfolds, what happens is, starting with the older ones to the younger ones, they all drop their rocks and they go their own way. And so I wanna share with you, there are a lot of ways to be offended, so many. 
And I know that you're passionate about certain things and I get it, but Jesus didn't call us to be right. Jesus doesn't need us to make a point. I believe that Jesus wants us to make a difference. And so what if we take some of this and we put it aside just for a moment and we allow God to minister to us in this so that he can then use us in those situations. So do you wanna make a point or do you wanna make a difference? And I think we've gotta make that declaration where we look at God in our prayer life and we're going, start with me, start with me. Cause we're carrying rocks. Some of us like we got pockets full of rocks and we're ready, we're waiting. And boy, we're good. Our arm is warmed up and we're ready to let them fly. I just think God calls us to something different. So what if we started emptying our pockets from the rocks and chose to be unoffendable? So what I'm gonna do in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you wanna make a difference. Uh, but, but I would first ask that, would you guys just bow your head and close your eyes? I don't want anybody looking around. I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed or whatever, but I know a lot of times we do this related to salvation and responding to Christ. And I think that's great. You know, we, we need to do that. But this is for those of us that we're going, hey, I need this. Where you're like, we've been talking about offense. We've been talking about anger. We've been talking about self-righteousness and, and pride. And, and so I wanna ask if you wanna make a difference and put some of this stuff aside, I would ask that you would put your hand up because I'm gonna pray for you. How many of you wanna make a difference? Put your hand up. Yeah, tons of hands. And I wanna pray for you. Just keep your hands up. So let's go before God. He's the one that can do this. The, the ones that you've been thinking of, the examples, like he's got it. He, he's gonna take control, no doubt. So God, right now we raise our hands before you. And Lord, first off, we just admit, God, we admit our need for you, our, our unforgiveness, our resentment, our bitterness, our anger. And God, we, we confess this before you and we ask that you would bring cleansing in our life. Jesus, thank you so much for the blood that you shed so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And so we receive it right now. We confess all these things and the list is long, Lord. There's plenty of rocks in our pockets. And so God, we take them out. Lord, the, the, there's things that we've done, things that we've said, and we are so sorry. But God, right now I pray for a super, supernatural impartation from your spirit to us, Lord, that you would not only bring forgiveness, but that you would also take away offenses, that you would take away our right, our demanding to be heard, Lord, our opinions that are off base, that they're not centered on you, but they're centered on our own self. And so Lord, I pray that you would give us the thoughts the way that you think. Lord, would you give us a heart like Jesus had? And Father, I even pray this bold prayer that in our words, the things that we say, Lord, that they would be like gold, that they would be refreshing, like deep springs of cool water towards other people. Lord, the things that we communicate, our body language, our attitudes. Lord, there's a lot of work to be done in us. And so God, right now we receive it. We wanna make a difference. So Lord, that you would be glorified, that your kingdom would come and your name would be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.